Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the John F. Kennedy Jr. Forum. My name is Trey Grayson. I'm the director of the Institute of Politics. We're really glad to have all of you here, especially considering there's no other way to describe it, the crappy weather outside. Uh, so the weather in here is great, and we really appreciate it that you braved the weather to get here. Uh, tonight's forum is entitled Dear World. <laughs> Thought I would participate a little bit. Um, we're really excited about it. It's a little bit different than we normally do. Um, we've been doing things all day long, taking pictures. You're going to see some of those tonight, and we're going to hear from some inspiring stories. Uh, but I want to introduce Robert Fogarty. Robert's why we're all here tonight. Robert is the co-founder and board president of evacuateer.org and founder of the Dear New Orleans, Dear World Project, which has a little bit of a Harvard connection, which he'll explain. Um, he was an AmeriCorps member and spent 15 months in New Orleans after Katrina, uh, during which time he spent a lot of time helping to get ready and then ultimately trying to execute an evacuation plan for Hurricane Gustav. If you remember, that was the hurricane uh, that approached uh, and hit New Orleans uh, in the uh, years after uh, Katrina. He started the Dear World um, Project, after, uh, which is a scaled-up version of something he started in New Orleans. He's going to talk more about it. But it's, we're really excited to have him here tonight. Uh, when we found out about this a couple years ago and saw here on campus, it was a really inspiring day, and so we're glad to have another one of these. Uh, and we're going to hear from, from Robert and some great speakers. So please join me in welcoming Robert Fogarty. At a party at the end of hurricane season here in New Orleans about a year and a half ago, and we just had people write a uh, love note to the city on their hands, and uh, we woke up the next morning, and as soon as we posted them, people started saying how much they enjoyed uh, the experience and the photos, so I just knew that what we did that night was not just a one-night-only event. to all sorts of people um, in their communities, with their families, with the things that they love. I didn't know it at the time, but we had already started Dear World in January of 2010. The, the Haitian earthquake happened, and there's a large Haitian New Orleanian community here, so we did a Dear Haiti series. There's been some moments of, over the past year, um, cancer-free, I'm going to college, it's okay. I knew that our work mattered. So where is Dear World? 
Thank you, Trey, for that wonderful introduction, and thank you to everyone who's worked so hard to make tonight memorable. Uh, in particular, thank you to Jen Tutak, the Institute of Politics, the Center for Public Leadership, the Gleisman Program for Leadership and Social Change, the HKS Student Government Diversity Committee, and the Harvard Graduate School of Education Student Government Association. Also, my father, Edward F. Fogarty, is in all the way from the great city of Omaha and the great state of Nebraska tonight. So, Dad, thanks for, for being here. Uh, my name's Robert Fogarty, and I take people's portraits. Uh, but they aren't just any portraits. In my project, Dear World, I ask people to share one message to someone or something that matters to them. I'm here today in many ways because of the kindness and generosity Harvard Kennedy and business school students uh, showed me in 2001 at the Social Enterprise Conference uh, where I actually got to launch Dear World. The project began as a photographic love note to New Orleans, but they found a way to make it something for anyone, no matter their race, uh, their religion, or their language, to share their stories. Like you, people I photograph have the ability to inspire us, to lead us, and to make us think twice about something we thought we knew. Tonight, I'll be telling a few stories of some of the people behind some of my favorite portraits. Then we'll invite five of your fellow students to share a story behind uh, their portraits. And we'll end with a slideshow of everyone. It's a nice time to reflect. And I think we'll do a little uh, Q&A uh, immediately after the slideshow. So I know the weather was, was tough, and I'm just excited and honored to be here uh, with you tonight. And uh, if it's okay, I'm just going to show you a few that I like uh, most.
I'd like to tell you two stories of people I've met along my journey. Two people, one who will inspire you through his quick decisions and problem solving, and one with his incredible desire to never give up. The first is about a man named Timothy Brennan. By day, he's an iron worker, the son of an NYPD detective, whose intense love of paddleboarding is a part of who he is and how he saved a dozen of his neighbors the night Hurricane Sandy came ashore last October. His home, what's left of it, is located in Gotham Walk uh, in Breezy Point, New York. It's the one with the American flag on the, on the right. As the water rose and the fire flew, Tim put on his black wetsuit. He grabbed his board, cleared a path, ushering his neighbors to safety. He successfully moved his neighbors, not out of prior emergency training, but out of instinct. He saw a problem, had the tools, and he solved it. When I asked him what he'd like to tell people about the long recovery ahead, he paused slightly and said, what's that line? The reason why we fall is so we can get up again. reason why we fall is so we get back up again it's you know it's so you don't sit there you don't you don't remain in that spot you know you don't you don't you don't you don't get stuck there you you, you move on you have to continue to move on tragedy what happened but everyone everyone here as far as I know wants to build back up and they just want this place to be stronger and better and, and, and it will be it really will be If I may, I have one more story before we hear from our special students tonight. It's about Steve Gleason. He's the man in the middle. You may recognize uh, Drew Brees and Coach Sean Payton from the New Orleans Saints. But Steve's a former NFL Saint himself who is now battling Lou Gehrig's disease. And as you'll see from some videos, Steve is a man who can inspire us and make us all remember uh, to never stop fighting. I am clear on my purpose for this earthly life. I was born in the mountains and wandering rivers, yet I'm aware of this life's sacredness. No matter where I sit, with every breath that I give, I am free. I am spiritual, artistic, inspiring, and different, and I'm happy to be this way. Steve Gleason played for eight years in the NFL for the New Orleans Saints, 
he blocked a punt in the first game back in the Superdome after Hurricane Katrina, and that moment, a fuse was lit. I feel like a shotgun blast goes off, and that's the sound of the ball hitting Steve Gleason's hand on the block. The city exploded with joy and potential and accomplishment. Some people say that moment was a pivot point for New Orleans, now recognized as a laboratory for social entrepreneurship in America. You could see the hearts of the people of New Orleans just leap, and you know what? We never have ever looked back. It was a big step in a long road to recovery, and it was bigger than football. He will be an icon forever in the city of New Orleans, and Steve deserves that. Gleason got the block. Steve was married to New Orleans native Michelle Verisco on May 16, 2008, the year he retired from the NFL. After their wedding, they traveled around the world together on a six-month expedition. He then went back to school to earn his MBA from Tulane University. In January of 2011, Steve was diagnosed with amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, ALS, or commonly called Lou Gehrig's disease. It is a neurodegenerative disease of the nerve cells in the brain and spinal cord, progressively affecting voluntary muscle action. While the condition slowly gets worse, ALS does not affect the senses or a person's ability to think or reason. After his diagnosis, he chose to continue with his MBA, and because he loves adventure, he and Michelle traveled to Alaska on a 15,000-mile journey. It's rivers. Steve and Michelle chose to have a child. Rivers Gleason will be one in October. It's my opinion that ALS patients can live a very long time. And I think with the right kind of support and the right kind of equipment, and most importantly with the purpose, more ALS patients will choose to live and make a great impact on the world. I think if you know Steve, you just knew that this is how he would approach it. You know, everybody reacts differently to the devastating news of a fatal disease. Everybody goes through a period of shock. Steve and Michelle worked through that shock, and they've come out the other side full of hope and unbelievably thinking about other people. And pretty inspiring. With the help of family and friends, Steve launched his own organization, Team Gleason. Its mission is to help others with ALS realize their purpose by sponsoring extraordinary life adventures and continuing to push for advancements in and access to leading-edge technology. Steve is an inspiration to hundreds of thousands of people who have been touched by his courage and passion for life and helping others. He has told the medical community, save my voice, my lungs, and my thumbs, and I promise to change the world. If necessary, he will use his eyes or even his thoughts to connect and interact via computer. Steve is not alone. All patients with neurodegenerative disease can have an impact and be productive if given the opportunity and the tools. Without a cure for the disease, 
Technology is that cure. I'm Michelle Veriska Gleason, Steve's wife, and I challenge you to hear what Steve and others have to say. Make the choice to be their catalyst as they productively and passionately change the world. No white flags. No white flags. Because uh, he's uh, really uh, as close to a superhero as I've ever met, and I'm just excited to to have worked with him. Uh, just a little context. I'm going to show you one more video. Uh, that video you saw in the No White Flags portrait was used in a Super Bowl piece. Uh, not this Super Bowl, but the last Super Bowl, and you, you heard Steve's voice. It was quite strong. I'm going to show you one more that was taken about a year ago. Um, Today, Steve is completely using the eye technology uh, and really has no uh, use motor function. Um, but of course, ALS is something, it's only your motor skills. So he's, he's in there and he now has a computerized voice that he can use with his eyes. So I've never seen him, uh, not without a smile on his face, by the way. My name is Steve Gleason. I am clear on my purpose for this earthly life. Um, I'm spiritual, artistic, inspiring, and I'm different, and I'm happy to be that way. I am a husband and a father, and uh, I'm going to be around a while. Uh, at least until my son can get through life on his own until he doesn't need me anymore. I'm going to be here. So, uh, no wife flags. <laughs> I hope we recognize that we all have voices and that we all have stories to tell. And with that in mind, my favorite part of the night has arrived. We've asked five students uh, to be brave and to share a story uh, behind their portraits. So each of them has been given uh, two minutes to, to come up, and I'd like to introduce my first uh, Dear World speaker of the evening. His name is Scott Yim. He's a Harvard College senior and also the vice president of his graduating class. So can we like give every one of these speakers a big round of applause for coming up and, and doing this? So Scott, uh, come on up to the stage and uh, we'll have four more after Scott. So thank you for, for doing this for us. Good evening. So I grew up on the border of New Hampshire in a small town called Methuen, Massachusetts. Has anyone ever heard of it? It's about a half hour north of here. Um, I also grew up on an athletic team. Um, I've loved sports. I played cross country. I ran cross country, rather, in high school, um, as well as indoor track. And um, I played on the men's volleyball team um, and was able to captain my team uh, my junior and senior years. 
Um, I was fortunate enough, obviously, to join this amazing, incredible community at Harvard. Um, and I walked on to my varsity volleyball team um, my first year here, and I played for um, two years until the end of my sophomore year. Um, I also came out as a member of the LGBTQ community um, at the end of my sophomore season, and it was quite a struggle. I uh, was fortunate enough to find amazing teammates and roommates and friends here at this often accepting world that um, is quite the opposite of what I think the real world is probably like. Um, but I was very fortunate and I didn't want to sit there and just be content with my experience because I knew that it wasn't indicative of what everyone else was going through. Um, I know the different identity struggles that I had, um, feeling lost, feeling confused, feeling very lonely. Um, it's funny, one of my friends once said that being gay is often more about other people than yourself. Um, I didn't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable. Um, I also didn't feel like I felt, I, I also didn't feel like I fit a certain mold that, for example, the media portrays. Um, and therefore, uh, since coming out, I have spearheaded the Harvard College It Gets Better video, um, which you can find on YouTube. I've also um, been working to break stereotypes and um, be a voice for people who might not feel represented um, or who might feel alone um, in what they're going through. So um, I also did a piece in the Crimson um, called Can You Tell, um, which is where you can't always tell comes from. Um, and it essentially featured masked varsity athletes on campus um, for a week prior to the release of the article, um, and no one knew who uh, these people were behind these masks on these posters. Um, they were ubiquitous around campus, and uh, a week later, after the article came out, um, it was very, very wildly successful and um, hopefully helped someone out there um, who might have been struggling. Uh, so what does this mean for you? This is my story, um, but you can't always tell. What does that mean? Um, I'm hoping that it applies. Um, this is my message for uh, the Dear World community. Um, you never know what someone's going through. Um, so essentially, be mindful of the things that you say, because um, you never know what um, difficulties someone might be having. So thank you very much. Scott, thank you so much for going first. We knew you would uh, do the job really well, so thank you, thank you. Our second student of the evening is Katie Chu, who is actually a third year uh, student in the Graduate School of Design, and she's from West Palm, Florida. So let's give it up for Katie Chu. Good evening, thank you, Robert. So I chose this question because it's one I get a lot when I meet people. They usually say, oh, where are you from? And I say, Florida. And then the next question is, okay, but where were you born? And so I say, West Palm, or maybe the hospital I was born in. But eventually the question is always, but where are you really from? And I think it's an interesting question, because on the one hand, it's frustrating to go through this dialogue 5,000 times. It's as if for some reason they can't accept the fact that I'm just as Floridian or just as American. And despite the fact that I was born and raised in the US, to them, in their eyes, I'm still from some other place. And I think this question, at its worst, is a form of passive racism. But on the other hand, the thing that I really appreciate is the curiosity. 
um, I can appreciate the fact that it's one stranger trying to reach out to another stranger and find out something about me. I just wish it wasn't done based on my looks or what they think my looks might imply. I wish that somebody would actually ask me, where are you really from? Meaning my city, my neighborhood, my single mom who worked really hard, or my friends, or my school, or any of the other things that actually define me. And so I think that this is the message I want people to take away from this, that on the first, on one hand, be aware of what you're actually asking, and on the other, actually um, think about this in the future when you meet somebody, or maybe think about this when you think about the people you think you already, already know. Um, follow that curiosity and try to get to know somebody based on the forces or the places or the people that actually define who they are and approach them with an open mind and truly get to know somebody. Thank you. Uh, the third student, actually I've known for two, two years now and He's just an inspiring guy, and I, I asked him. I put, it, I put Dan in the show, because uh, he actually took this photo in the forum two years ago, but it's always been one that I've just really enjoyed in the, in the project and getting to know Dan. I knew uh, I wanted him to come up and speak tonight. So Dan Putrell is an Army infantry captain. He's a Pat Tillman scholar, and he's a graduate of the MPP program here at HKS, and he hails from Santa Clara, California. So <clears throat> I was asked to kind of talk about uh, why, why this message. Um, I served uh, for two years, or 27 months, uh, in Iraq, um, and there were uh, brothers and sisters and fathers and sons, aunts, uncles, wives, uh, who all at some point raised their hand, raised their right hand, and said, send me. Um, they, they saw a need, uh, and they said, I'm, I'm willing to do it. Uh, and uh, since that happened, you know, uh, in Iraq, there have been 4,487 who have not come home, uh, over 2,000 in Afghanistan, uh, and all of which raised their hand and said, send me. And even more so, uh, so many more have gone and come home um, and continue to serve. Uh, so this message for me, send me, raising my hand voluntarily, raising my hand with everybody else and saying, where's the problem? Send me, I'll do it. Um, it's, it's a message that I think resonates uh, outside of the military. Um, at HKS, uh, you know, we, we value military service, and uh, I think that's probably the only reason that I got in here. Uh, but, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, this is a message that I think resonates with uh, everybody that comes through these doors and then through, who one day will leave uh, out these doors. Um, all of us see a problem, raise our hands, and say, I'll do it. Where's the problem? send me, I'll do it. I know Robert has seen uh, those people in, in New Orleans and around the world, people who said, oh, Katrina, there's a problem. Right hand, send me, I'll do it. Um, so I, I feel like this is a message that resonates uh, for people who want to make a change and want to make a difference and want to be impactful. Um, it's something that I, after my military service and after uh, HKS here, I'm, I'm still continuing to try to do uh, here in the greater Boston area. So that's why I chose this message. Uh, and I invite you to, uh, to raise your hand and volunteer uh, to serve others. That's it. Dan, thank you so much. 
Uh, our fourth speaker of the evening is uh, someone I met today, and I just she has a great spirit, and and uh, I convinced her to come do this. And her name is Mary Sando. Uh, she's from Tanzania, and she's over at the School of Public Health in a graduate program. Uh, so everyone, welcome Mary Sando to the stage. So uh, thank you very much. It is really an honor, a pleasure to speak to you all tonight. Uh, as Robert said, um, it was fun to be with friends. Uh, it was really great that we had an opportunity, thank you very much, to spread the word. And um, when he asked me, um, will you be there tonight? So are you going to be there tonight? <laughs> so I stammered and said, um, um, maybe. And he was like, why? So I said, well, because I have a paper. Actually, my tia is in here. <laughs> so I told her, I have a paper that's due tomorrow, and I'm trying to work on it, you know. Then he was like, oh, you, you, you can still do it. And I was like, why? So I said, because I just want you to share your message, share your theme. So um, I thought, well, I could say no, because he was asking. But then something told me in my mind that, to me, has really become a real purpose as to why um, I even chose the School of Public Health or public health in general to come. And, and that's the passion of the message that's currently uh, in my heart. And I really hope I can contribute whatever little I can in this world and join forces of everyone who's trying to work hard to end maternal mortality. So as Robert said, I'm from Tanzania, I'm a medical doctor, and I'm a mother of two, and I consider myself very, very fortunate to be alive and to see my children grow, because that is truly not something that so many women um, enjoy in, in a country like Tanzania, in Sub-Saharan Africa. As we speak, maybe we'll be here for an hour or so, about 30 or more women will have passed away due to pregnancy and childbirth-related complications. But of course, um, 800 women die every single day in this world. It is unacceptable. And 90% um, of these deaths, actually 99% do occur in Sub-Saharan Africa and Southeast Asia. And so uh, to me, the message is for areas where it is, it is safe, it's not a tragedy. When a woman is pregnant, that she goes through her nine month worrying of how her outcome will be and the risk increases with every single pregnancy, it's doable and why can't we do it? And so we're really grateful for all the efforts that everyone out there in the maternal and child health uh, family is really, and all the funders across the world are putting in because your support, uh, whatever this message goes, really means a lot. And so um, I wanted to be an OBGYN but then when I was training, I realized working in the clinics or in our national hospital was really so traumatic because in most cases, we ended getting women who were referred and most of them ended up with bad outcomes because of all challenges of delays, etc. And so I thought, that's when I realized the problems are really out there. They're not in a sophisticated uh, national hospital like the one I was trained and hoping to have uh, worked on after. And so I changed my course from being a, an, a more trained clinician in OBGYN to more of population-based uh, work. So it really can be done, and we all know that none of us is as strong as all of us. So I welcome you to join forces in trying really so hard to end maternal mortality. Thank you so much.
Just a little housekeeping. Uh, we have our last student speaker coming up. Uh, I'll give a little kind of talk and then we have quite a long slideshow, but it has some beautiful music. We'll drop the, the lights, and I, I think it's a really good time to reflect on what matters to you. Uh, and then we'll do a little Q&A uh, after the slideshow. But uh, the project started in New Orleans, and I just met this amazing woman today uh, who is from New Orleans, so I figured we would end with her. So Jane Wolf is a first-year student over at the Divinity School, and uh, yeah, she's from the great city of New Orleans, so let's welcome Jane Wolf to the stage. Wow, I, I did not expect to be here tonight. Uh, so, Robert, he says he's from New Orleans, but of course you can hear who's really from New Orleans, right? But Robert, Robert uh, has done a wonderful thing in New Orleans and looking up at, looking up at that. Just, I said, Robert, I don't know if I can speak because I'm just so emotional, you know, but, but I'll just explain kind of what that is. And, um, so I had to make a decision when I was walking through the rain after two classes, you know, the rain that I, I'll gather myself in a second. <laughs> um, I was going to put New Orleans to Harvard. I, I was going to do that. I said, uh, because I wanted to just say, not too many people are here from New Orleans, right? Can any, is anybody here? <laughs> so I said, uh, no, that's not going to make enough impact. That, that, that's not really who I am. Um, because um, I, I'm here because of one reason is because I waited 32 years to get an education. Uh, there's a lot of, it, it says GED to Harvard, but GED to Harvard's got 32 years of uh, a lot of things. You know, birth of two children, a 32-year marriage, uh, Hurricane Katrina, and I can go on and on about that. So on one side of the arm is GED to Harvard, but there's a lot happening from GED to Harvard. And on the, uh, I told you this would be tough. <laughs> And uh, then the next, the next line, uh, here I am, yes you can, it's about impact again. It's about uh, here I am, but it has a, long, a deeper story because my personal statement to get into Harvard ended with a Hebrew word. And since I go to divinity school, I figured I'd share it with you guys. Uh, my personal statement was, you know, a thousand words. You've got to do a statement to get in here. You've got to tell them all about yourself. So, I, But I ended it with a Hebrew word that was titled, it's, it's uh, I can't say because I have a New Orleans accent, but it's Hiene. And it's a word that means here I am. And, and the word uh, is, it's only spoken seven times in the Bible, but it's a way of um, answering a call, here I am. So that's how I, how, how I ended my personal statement. It was like, I want to come to Harvard, here I am. And um, so... What I'm trying to say is, and the reason why I did the GED deal and put it on my arm, because somebody said, man, you're going to go to Harvard and you're going to put GED on your arm? Are you crazy? You know what I mean? <laughs> they, they, they're going to think you're not smart. So I said, I know that that's, that's, that's the impact. It's to tell everybody that's 30 years and up that if you have a GED, you can make it here. <laughs> so... 
that's kind of that's kind of my story. And just to let you guys know, I'm keeping up, <laughs> and it's <laughs> and uh, I'm right behind you. So uh, it's it's not easy. I should be reading right now, but. Uh, I'm, I'm keeping up, and it's just to let everybody know that you can wait 32 years, and you can still make a difference. You just have to take a chance, uh, you know, step out. And it's also to let everybody know here that I realized, and another reason why I put GED up there, I'm not here at Harvard for me. And you shouldn't be, too, because the way you're going to make an impact in the world is to go out and serve and share your education with others. So that's why I took the risk and I put GED on my, on my arm. <laughs> so everybody can know I got a GED now. But that um, you can make a difference if you're doing it for something other than yourself. And um, that's my message. So yes, you can. And um, you can do it if you take a chance. That's it. Thank you, Jane, and I just hope, I just love hearing, because I feel like the portraits, you know, you can make an inference on people, but to, to be able to have people really speak from the heart, I think, is, is, is uh, one of the most special things about the project. So I'm going to close with an idea, and then we're just going to drop the lights, run through the slideshow. Uh, I think it's a really healthy time for all of us to, to reflect on what matters. But I'd like to close with this, that we're lucky to be here, right? And I think that we should always think about the things that we're grateful for, because not many people have the opportunities that we have. And um, I just want to thank you for your time and energy and effort uh, today and tonight. And um, I'm just going to show you your portraits. And thank you again for having me.
right. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for all participating. All right, so those who are regulars here at the forum know that we have a tradition of always having our speakers and photographers uh, answer questions from the audience. We've got a couple microphones here on the floor and in the uh, boxes. If you all have any questions uh, for Robert, and we'll start over here with uh, Sita. Yeah, hi. <clears throat> My name's Sita Gofard. I'm a sophomore at the college. And first of all, thank you so much for honestly one of the most refreshing and inspiring and just original forums I've ever seen. Um, I wanted to ask because I actually, um, you know, I, I, I saw a lot of friends in the uh, slideshow, but, you know, couldn't see it myself um, and see it being produced. I was wondering how you chose the poses, who chose it, and how you came up with it, how you got it, sort of how you, um, what type of strategy you had to make it match the, uh, the words and uh, to enhance your story. Uh, it's, you know, there's really no rhyme or reason. Actually, because it becomes kind of a scrum, uh, mm -hmm. Uh, people just figure it out, I mean, they kind of figure it out uh, on their own, but I, my general rule is a portrait is about, is at, at the end of the day, it's about a person's eyes, right? So this is adding in another element. So I usually just try and pe have people get their, uh, use their words and their canvas uh, uh, to their advantage and get it as close to their eyes as possible. So uh, that's, you know, I, and then I just ask people to not misspell anything. <laughs> <laughs> it is Harvard. We, after all, we can't misspell these things. Right? Yes, right over here. Hi, my name is Leia Singer, and I'm asking this question on behalf of the forum committee. Um, did you experience any surprises today um, taking photographs on Harvest campus, and was it unique from other experiences? Uh, yes. I mean, I'm just always honored and dumbfounded by the talent here at Harvard and uh, meeting people from literally across the world. That's, this is a special place. Uh, uh, so every time I have been, you know, the, the great honor to be here, we always meet amazing people. And I think, you know, the five speakers we had tonight, uh, if we can give them one final round of applause. You know, they're, they're a cross-section of, of an undergrad, a d divinity student, a design student, you know, a Kennedy School kid. And what's our, what's our last one? I've already forgotten. Undergrad. One undergrad. Uh, at school. Public health. In public health. Okay, so you know you saw the diversity of, of, of such Sorry a talented and amazing group of people. So yeah, I'm I'm always just so amazed at the uh, the talent you have around you. You guys are gonna like run run the world, you know. So um, my name is Eliza Hashmi. I'm a sophomore at the college, and again, thank you so much for being here today. It was really inspiring and a really great forum. Um, well, as a member of the forum committee, um, I'd like to ask a question that was submitted through Twitter. Um, so this person wants to know, um, you travel um, across the country doing this project and pursuing this. How do you decide where to go next and what inspires you um, to keep going and to keep doing this? It's a two-pronged question. I treat this project uh, like an entrepreneur. So uh, my revenue comes from corporate speaking uh, engagements. So to fund things like Breezy Point and Joplin, uh, you know, I, uh, this isn't a charity, right? It's, it's, uh, I, I get a four-fee service, uh, and then I plan out my year based on what I think I can, I can do as a percentage of what I bring in from corporate work. So uh, I try and do one a quarter, um, and 
So in 2013, I'd like to do uh, some work in Sandy Hook. That's all contingent upon, all these things are really, you have to build a lot of coalitions before you even step foot in the community. So I'd like to go to Sandy Hook. Uh, if you guys are familiar with uh, a group called Charity Water, uh, Scott Harrison is a, a buddy of mine. So I want to go to Kenya in July. Uh, and you know, I want to do one in, domestically in New Orleans where uh, we have uh, young boys who kill each other a lot. And a, a, a good friend of mine started a mentorship program for boys without fathers. So we're going to photograph uh, sons in New Orleans whose fathers have died violently. So those are three that I'd like to do. Uh, those are the field projects, the ones that uh, you know, take a lot of time and effort in planning, but I really, what's, you know, from a, from a business side and the social enterprise side, I really can't, I can't do them without the corporate uh, support. So it's been this really interesting life cycle of a project, because um, the stories I tell often in conference halls are uh, not of people in other conference halls, uh, but it kind of, I hope, kind of uh, closes the circle a little bit. So those are the three places I'd like to go next. Thank you. Great. Well, we've had a wonderful evening tonight. Uh, thanks, Robert. Thanks to all who posed. Uh, we're going to put all those online, uh, just like at a regular forum archive, right? Yeah, so you guys can share, the, share your friends and share the pictures and uh, share that with the world. So thank you, everybody. Have a great evening. <laughs>